0: yo 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 what's up everybody thanks for tuning in to msyh.fm my name is ryan brown aka rb founder of make sure you have fun and msyh.fm and i'm super excited today to bring to you the first actually the first interview we've done on msyh.fm we're going to be welcoming miami florida's own louisa and bill louisa and bill are a production duo a DJ duo based in Miami, Florida. They will be our headlining guests for this year's Cobra Rising Party New Year's Eve celebration presented by Make Sure You Have Fun and Creatives Drink in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Special thanks to the House of Centauri and Red Bull for helping us put this all together. But we wanted to put this interview together to educate those who will be coming and those listening around the world on a little bit more about uh, Louisa and Bill. We're gonna be talking about how they came into producing music together, where they both grew up. We're gonna talk about some musical influences. We're gonna talk about life as a DJ duo, um, their production style. We're gonna be talking about Miami, Miami nightlife, We're gonna be talking about their other business ventures that they recently got into uh, the future of Web3 and NFTs, all while previewing their brand new remix EP that they dropped on SoundCloud to give you a little bit of a sneak peek into what they sound like. So strap in, so sit back, relax, Throw this on while you're doing your work and get to know a little bit more about Louisa and Bill. If you have not already made plans for New Year's Eve and you're in and around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, please check us out. We will put the information on how to get your tickets ahead of time. We're gonna have a dinner ahead of time, a prefix dinner, a specialty menu put together by Cobra's masterful culinary team. Also, you can book your private VIP section for you and your party group. And Make Sure You Have Fun is actually paying for a table for one lucky winner and three guests. If you want more information on how to win that table, check out our Instagram. Again, those links will be in the description. But without further ado, Louisa and Bill, right here on (music) msyh.fm. welcome welcome to the show thank you both for um coming on msyhfm and and chatting with me louisa and bill how are you both today good
1: good thank Thank you you. doing awesome
0: thank
2: you for having
1: us happy to be here
0: of course of course of course we're super excited for the show to have you back in pittsburgh um But before we get into any specifics, just kind of doing a pulse check on how you both are feeling in this time in the world without going into too much detail, just checking on your person, checking on your mental. um, How have you both been holding up?
1: Good. Yeah. Trying to maintain just, what is it? PMA, positive mental attitude, Mm -hmm. just in general about life in general. So yeah, I'm doing good. How about you?
2: I'm doing Great. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Just working, man. You know, try to be a little bit better every day.
0: Of course, of course, I like that positive mind state and and incremental incremental improvement. So mm-hmm. good. Exactly. Family's good.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, everyone's good. Family's good, healthy,
0: alive. You know, good, good reasons to be thankful. Reasons to be thankful.
1: Exactly.
0: Speaking of families, where are both of your families from? Like, you both um, are in Miami now. Are you both from Miami proper or your family's from Miami if you can give me a little bit of background and our listeners background where where are your family's from where are you both from
1: I'm from Miami proper uh, but only first generation Miami my father is from Dominican Republic but he grew up in Maryland and DC Maryland area and that's where he met my mom uh, so they're from up north and they've been living here since the 80s and they had some children down here some Miami girls and you
2: i'm from chicago i'm born and raised in chicago uh half puerto rican half costa rican and then i moved to new york city when i was 21 22 one of those two stayed out there for about seven years and then met louisa uh a few years in no in new york in new
1: york yeah we met in new york i lived over there too for like six years yeah we met in
2: new york city and then uh we came down to miami about six years ago give or take now from new york
0: got you so you're from chicago so you were used to mm-hmm. a little bit more colder yeah, yeah. weather you feel in miami over the chicago cold
2: yeah of course man of course of course like <laughs> you know i love chicago but uh But the the weather, as cliche as it is to talk about, it it is very real. It does affect the quality of your life, you know. Yeah, down here, blue sky, warm sun. It's nice. (laughs) I can't complain. I can't complain. I like it a lot.
0: Nice. Do you both go back and visit often? You were saying, Louisa, that your dad was from the Dominican Republic. And you said, Bill, you're part Puerto Rican. Do you both visit often? Do you go go back home often? Or how does that work?
2: Um, I got family in both Puerto Rico and Costa Rica still. And i end up in Puerto Rico every couple of years. Same with Costa Rica. You know, it, it would be pretty easy for me to go if I wanted to every every year. But to be honest, I like to go to new places. And so I, I try to, you know, you know, we try to go to new spots pretty frequently as far as traveling is concerned and things like that. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll go back for sure. But uh, we try to switch it up, go to other places more often than not.
1: Yeah. I'm due for a Dominican Republic trip and you two. I've never been. Yeah. I I haven't been since I was like 16. I used to go more often, Um, but as an adult, I haven't been back. And now I kind of don't want to go back unless I got like people that can show me really what's up with DR as an adult, not like the resort side of things. I want to like see how the locals are, are doing it.
0: You want to, you don't want to go back as like a tourist. You want to go back and like, yeah, I have
1: like, some tourist moments, of course, I am a tourist there, but yeah, I want definitely want to be immersed more in the authentic culture of it for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't been back for a while.
0: Of course go to the hip spots, eat, eat the, eat the, the best food. I know what you yeah.
1: mean. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's a reason to go now, now that, now that we heard that bill hasn't gone. So maybe mm-hmm. that could be the next trip. <laughs> for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And it's right there. We can
0: get there fast from here.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah.
0: We'll right, 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 right.
1: My dad is from there, but he came to the states when he was like nine, so he's been here for a long time.
0: Um, speaking of your dad, Louisa, I came across a photo. It was like an old photo of you with some headphones on. Um, yeah, like He, he looks like he was playing you music. It looks like he had like equipment in the back. Um, so if you if you if you don't mind sharing, how did your dad influence like your musical taste? And and also, did he play or produce music himself?
1: He is a percussionist, Afro-Latino percussionist. He doesn't practice now anymore. Um, but my whole life growing up, that's what he did. He traveled a lot um, doing that. Uh, so yeah, he de- that obviously influenced me just because I was around musicians. I would go to his rehearsals. I was in recording studios like early, Earlier than a lot of people. Some people never go into them. Right. Um, Do you remember like the
0: name of any of his bands or like like the places that he toured? Do you remember any of that stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, he played with Ricky Martin, Shaka Khan, uh Cheyenne, Grace Jones, um yeah, a lot it. of like Latin jazz. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Dope. He took it for granted though, because it wasn't he had he always had a job. And the music stuff was like his side hustle, but like a very successful side hustle. Um,
0: oh yeah, I would say. Yeah, Jones, <laughs> yeah, Ricky ready. Martin. Yeah, I would say.
1: Yeah, I know. I, when he was he, we met Ricky Martin when he worked with him, and it was when Ricky was at his like prime and shit. That like was live like and lo-
0: like living la vida loca, Ricky.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> he did the There's like a a song Ricky Martin had called Maria that they did like for the the world's cup i think at the time it's like very tribal percussive uh sound he was in that one too yeah that was super cool um and i mean the way he influenced me a was just like i was around it and then he never listened to he's a musician so he always listened to like Just music with no words or, you know, he would like, oh, you hear that? That's percussion. You know, like the little (laughs) sounds in the background. That's how that's kind of how he didn't like actively try to like put us on to his passion. But obviously it was around. So me and my younger sister and older sister, we took a liking to music. My younger sister's a dancer. So the rhythm runs through the veins for sure.
0: For sure. The rhythm and the music and the art. Um, that's super cool to, to hear that your dad was touring and, and working with such, you know, famous artists. You know what I mean? You, you, you definitely uh, in a house with a musician that can see how that can easily influence you, especially if you're listening, like you said, to a lot of instrumental stuff. Um, I can see myself doing the same with Ruby when she's older. Like, hey, you hear that? You hear that? That instrument mm-hmm. in the back there? So that's cool. That's cool. Uh, Bill, yourself, uh, any... Like musical history, like specifically your parents or, or that you were around when you were younger that that really introduced you to music. Um, do you know any? does anyone you know anyone play music or yeah. is anyone like a big collector of music?
2: No, not necessarily. Uh, my mom's pretty musical, at least much more than my father was. you know she she's a music fan still to this day, uh, dancer just likes me, you know she, she enjoys music, she likes music. She knows about her her Puerto Rican music artists, old and new. Um, but
0: like, who are some I, classic? Who are some classic Puerto Rican artists that people should know about for people who are not really, you know, anyone listening now that is like, I don't know any classic Puerto Rican music. Who would you? Who would you put them on? New classic, <laughs> right? I
1: know, I
2: know, new I know the new, no, though, a new classic. No, new
1: classic like Jerry Rivera is.
2: oh, well, that's new classic. Yeah, I guess Jerry that's
1: Jerry Rivera is you know because yeah. JD, I know you might not. It might not pick up to people who don't speak Spanish. He's like '90s, '90s, so he's like older now, but definitely more new school than like the mm-hmm. the old heads. That's like a kind of iconic. Mm-hmm. That's one. Mark Anthony, of course. Yeah, Mark
2: Anthony.
0: Is okay, nice. I've heard of Mark Anthony. Okay, so she agree. she would uh, put you on to some classic well, classic music.
2: No, what I was gonna say is that although she she's a music fan but i didn't care much about latin music growing up you know i grew up eating cereal watching cartoons uh you know skateboarding like i was all about my american child late 80s early 90s upbringing um spanish music was like a, this foreign thing that like i don't know wasn't that cool compared to like what was on mtv and stuff like that especially back then you know different now but it, i didn't feel negative about it in any real way it just I don't know. I was kind of like, okay, so there's a, my mom's always playing Spanish music, but this is what like, this is what's on MTV, like, you know, Michael Jackson or rap videos or like all that stuff. So that's what I, I got into music really, you know, she, she was an influence in hindsight, but I got into music cause I got into skateboarding early. And so I started watch, like watching skate videos when I was 11 and 10, 11, 12. And they always had good soundtracks. Uh,
0: I do remember that. I do remember like old skating videos having dope music Mm -hmm. which which tapes did you watch like was 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 thrasher out back then when you were younger what
2: thrasher was definitely a thing i would i would hang out by the magazines reading thrasher while my mom would go shopping or like you know grocery shopping i'd go over to the magazine and just read thrasher uh toy machine videos um chocolate uh who else I'm thinking about i'm trying to think who else i'll stop
1: what are those like crews or
2: uh brands mm. yeah which probably not around anymore but back then they were a thing toy machine may or may not uh, be chocolate definitely isn't um okay yeah okay. these escape video i remember that the first time I think I heard l cool j was on a skate was a skate video I still re- i can't remember the name of the skater right now I can like picture him in my head um he was a really popular like African-American skater back then. And it was, they would always take these skits. Not all, not all skate videos did this, but this, and I could find it if I was like to search enough for it off the top of the, I can't remember, but I remember it's like a mini version of him. It's like, honey, I shrunk the kids skateboard edition. And he gets, he's like a shrunk, a little skateboarder, right? Like, (laughs) like the size of your, of your pinky or something. And he's skating down like, like uh, not the sidewalk, but kind of where the uh, the sewer would be, right next to it. And the curb, uh, kind of like on the curb. Yeah, he's like skating by the curb, and he's like going up the curve, the curb, and like grinding it. Then he has to like avoid some trash and f- does a kickflip over some trash. And like, there's a rat that comes out that he has to run from. And and it had like a really cool soundtrack. I don't know. I I just fell in love with like early skate videos because I was skateboarding like for a few Oof. years
0: no nah, that and, sounds cool was it like are you saying they, they have like a video effect where it was like a a little skateboarder on like a big like but they were like honey i shrunk the kid size where everything huge? Yeah.
2: yeah 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 <laughs> everything was big and he mm. you know and it was like early 90s graphics so now probably doesn't look that great but at the time it was kind of cool and i don't know it was fun and I was, like i said i was like 10 or 11 so for me that was i was mm. like this is awesome oh, that's and probably amazing
0: cool. yeah that's probably amazing back in the day and it would even be amazing now if someone like randomly did yeah. a like a '90s retro-looking video that looked like that, they'll still be cool. Yeah, yeah,
2: and it was just something about the energy, the culture. It introduced me to like uh like counterculture and like alternative culture, and just something outside of mainstream. Because we're talking like we got to be talking like maybe 1994, and skateboarding specifically, skateboarding. You know, wasn't what it is now, oh, which totally. is.
0: You, know, yeah, you didn't have like um, million
2: dollar Nike sponsorships right. and, and, and X Games or 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 uh, what's what's just the recent real huge thing that happened? Uh, the, the, Olympics. Olympics.
1: the Olympics, the Olympics. Yeah, I, oh,
2: they yeah, were the
0: Olympics,
2: right? When I got into it, like the X Games they didn't even exist yet. That, I remember when the first one yeah. happened, and that was like a thing, you know? Because yeah. it was like, oh my god, skateboarding on TV, regular TV, you know, like you go watch it on TV. That was yeah, it was still like an underground thing.
0: Right now, streetwear's everywhere. Skateboarding's everywhere. Everything's um, everywhere. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Thanks for What's thanks happening? for being on that. I, was, I yeah. know I'm sure people who got into skateboarding, you know, in the in the '90s, could could you know, kind of take a trip back memory lane with you as you explain that. But right. you mentioned you mentioned listening to music uh, inside of the skate videos, and I pose this to you as well, Louisa. Like, what were some what were some either artists or some music that really made you fall in love with music like if you can remember some of your early early music just things that you personally discovered that personally made you fall in love with music can you remember what those tracks were who those artists were huh.
1: i remember i mean i remember when i was like five or something my favorite song was brian adams uh oh not i'm thinking of the meatloaf one i could touch <laughs> yeah. you like no 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 um damn now i'm on the spot i can't i haven't thought about it in a long time yeah. how does it oh, go like, like if you say, song. can you, yeah can,
0: is it like a melody or you know lyrics or words <sighs>
1: No, now what's playing in my head is the meatloaf one. That's like I would do anything for love. It wasn't that one, but it was around that time. If I, <laughs> I, guess- I, I would have to like search it, but Brian Adams, and then I liked like Coolio Gangster's Paradise. Yeah, that was a
2: big one for me. Too.
1: But then I would also listen to because my older cousins were into like Boys to Men, um, as yet shy like R&B and then my mom too like my dad was the technical musician but my mom actually influenced me and my sister's music taste because she's just always been in touch with pop culture so she showed us MTV and then we had the box at the time I remember and the TV box and yeah the box you would just like whatever whatever played was what you're listening to yeah, and we definitely cool, yeah. yeah we didn't like call whatever, the toll-free pay dollar or something to request a song. No, whatever was
0: on was what you were watching.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And the box was interesting. I don't know if it was a regional thing, but in Miami, it literally would be like Prodigy and then Mark Anthony. Like it would be, yeah, just really wide range of genres. So I would say like not the box exactly, but that kind of like – Polar opposites of different sounds was definitely an influence for sure. Gotcha. For me. Yeah.
0: And it sounds like what caught your ear was some big songs. You know what I mean? Like, like that Coolio jam, super huge. Um, and I know, I know you were talking about the Meatloaf song, but uh, still, big, big, big artists, big records. Um, so cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah,
1: that. definitely uh, main mainstream stuff for sure. Until yeah. until I saw it. I seeked out, like, more. But, of yeah. course. It's
0: always, like, you know, getting in, exposed to music is normally through radio, TV, uh, movies, you know, so it's normally, like, super popular until you can dig yourself, so I feel you, I feel you on that. Uh, <laughs> Bill, what would you say? What would you say some some early artists were that really made you fall in love with music? Um, I don't know if it was L O Cool J, like you mentioned, or some other folks.
2: No, no, that was just... You know, I, I got into like uh more mainstream hip hop is kind of what I gravitated towards, even though at the time the skate the skate videos had a lot of like punk music, but that didn't speak to me quite the same way. Uh I got into hip-hop and whatever hip hop was on TV, man. I mean, we're talking we gotta be talking like uh 97, 98. Which would be like Diddy, di- a lot, of, yeah, definitely. Bad Boy, diddy. I loved
1: Bad Boy oh a lot God. of a lot of
2: Bad Boy, mm-hmm. um you know. And then and then like Master P and then was also coming up, and so there was a lot of like Southern stuff that was coming up that was like kind of weird, but I was intrigued by it because I was used to like that East Coast sound. Uh, I remember the Bullworth soundtrack, which I don't even know if I I don't even think I ever saw the movie. But it had that ghetto superstar song with Maya, which I used to love, Uh, Big Pun, uh, Beat Nuts. But my sister, my older sister started dating a kid when she was like, you know, she had to be like only 17. They started dating in high school. And he was a hip hop kid. And he put me on to like, he's like, oh, you like hip hop? You know, and I had to be maybe like 13, 12 or 13. You like hip hop? Uh, Check this out. And he started giving me uh, CDs. Maybe even tapes, too, at that point of like Tribe Called Quest, Gangstar, uh, Nas Illmatic, uh, which none of that stuff was pop music in 1997, 1998. The radio was playing none of that. That was already like it, it's like, why would the ra- why, why would the radio right now be playing songs from five years ago? It, it might, but it's going to play a lot of the new stuff all the time. It, it would be the equivalent of that. It wasn't even totally like golden era stuff yet. We were still in the nineties, but you know, I, I heard that stuff and I was like, yo, this is awesome. And it sounded different than all the new stuff that was on the radio. And so that shifted my perspective too. And like introduced a whole nother layer of like, like, yeah, just another level of hip hop. Oh, there's, there's, once again, there, it's not just what's on TV or radio. That's like, there's good stuff outside of that. Um, And I, okay. I, I stuck to that, like that. That
0: that was kind of like the beginning of you realizing, okay, there's another, there's another layer to this onion of music that isn't necessarily on the radio and I can go discover it in these, in these albums.
2: Yeah. I, I, I was for, I mean, you know, you, you, you dig, you can still dig in 2022, but I'm talking back then you really had to go dig at like, you know, dig within the CD racks or like, once I got my first sampler going to the record store and digging for stuff. So like understanding that there was an entire universe of music that just that wasn't just because it wasn't popular didn't it had didn't correlate to its quality in any capacity some of the best music isn't necessarily well known or popular sometimes you know sometimes they, it does correlate frequently it does many times it doesn't and and then you understand that like this stuff is purely subjective and you know you can love a song i can hate that song and we're both right
0: no you're 100 right yeah on both fronts on the front of some of the best music that you've discovered in your life has never touched billboard or been on like their hot for 100 that. list. Um, sure. and also there's towns where like, you know, probably Louise is like, check this track out. You're like, ah, this is lukewarm. You're like, what are you talking about? This is fine. Right. Or, or the same is true with you, Bill. You're like, check out this track. I found and Louise is like, oh, I've heard better. You know, yeah. it's all subjective.
2: For
0: sure. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'll take a slight detour. I think like fashion, music, DJ kind of all, you know, different ways of, of, you know, showcase an art, but Louisa, you mentioned, or I noticed that you have your own vintage kind of resale shop. Could you explain yeah, a little bit about what, what I got? If you can explain what, what it is that you do and kind of how, how you function today.
1: So that was a project I did for the past like five years Um, I'm not really doing it anymore. I'm not actually, I'm not doing it anymore, but I still have a studio that houses stuff um that I just haven't like sold yet or moved. And so I actually just did like an Instagram sale last week and the week before just to try to like clean out my studio. But music definitely tied into that because I was just trying to figure out faster ways to like move the clothing and Before, well, right when Instagram stories kind of like came out, so they were doing, you know, the Snapchat models, there was no stories on Instagram before. And I saw that it was just a faster way of like showcasing stuff. And so I started, I was like, let me try to use these stories. And I just, instead of like photographing the pieces, editing pictures, uploading them online with a description, I started kind of just like previewing them on the story and they were selling that way and then because me I love music I was like this shit's a little boring I need to like soundtrack it so I started just casually for me soundtracking it and uh and then the combo got like people's attention and I got like even guys starting to follow my page just to like for the music aspect of it um you
0: would you would essentially like you would like wear the clothes model the clothes and like I would model the, the clothes music, in like, the like in the games. story or was it like playing in the background how did you do
1: that it would play in the background it would play in the background and I'd kind of like dance and model not model or dance but both <laughs> um yeah yeah it was very unplanned kind of organic thing that I did that people because sometimes with especially with vintage clothing the sizing isn't always accurate or the same and so if I can give you kind of my basic measurements and then you see how it looks on the body and then it's it's better uh than just seeing like a still photo of it you can see it like in action how the fabric moves um and then yeah I would just like background the music and then slowly but surely people are like what song is that what track is that so I started making like playlists of all the songs that I would use um, yeah, this was a couple years ago when you couldn't link the music,
0: right. and
1: yeah, it was still like very fresh pre Reels and TikTok.
0: Right, super cool though. So like, kind of ahead, I, I feel like people do that now where they're modeling clothes. You know, the quick edits with outfits that they're wearing. Right. So cool that you were doing yeah. that early. Were you always into thrifting yourself? Like, is that something you always were interested in? Like for me, I'm 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 a big advocate for you know buying secondhand where you can upcycling clothing you know I love the shops and boutiques that are you know they take old clothes edit them into something new or something Mm -hmm. like like a modern fit um but were you always into vintage and kind of uh yeah uh, upcycled clothes
1: I've always been into especially in my younger years and even now like just style and expressing myself through clothing um I don't know my mom like trained us to kind of like go to the sale rack, or she introduces to thrift stores like really early. Um, So now I kind of find it hard to shop when there's like a lot of options and a lot of sizes. It doesn't like inspire me the same. I love like the dig and the find. Um, And then I got into like, I started learning about like high fashion and like fashion, fashion, you know, with a capital F. And (laughs) I, I moved to New York I was like really like just like trying to immerse myself in it. I went to school for it. I moved to New York and I started immediately working for a wardrobe stylist that um she styled like musicians, um yeah, like uh Usher, we did Patty LaBelle, Jamie Foxx. She did like, yeah, just music artists. And so all of a sudden I was around like luxury clothing and it actually didn't feel the same. Like it does feel different, but what I thought was going to happen, it was kind of like meeting a famous person. You know, I was like, oh my God, these Giuseppi's in real life or Louis Vuitton. It didn't, I was like, okay, I don't know. Once I got exposed, I was like, nah, it's not, I'm still super into it, but it wasn't, it didn't have such an impact like I thought it would. Um, And so then kind of after that, I went like anti-fashion and started just doing thrift and reviving clothing from landfills i really do think that um we have like an overconsumption issue <laughs> in the world especially the states and so if i can kind of like pick things from you know ending up in landfills and kind of repurposing them i like you know i'm into that for sure
0: 100% is definitely is definitely you know maybe to some people a crunchy way of thinking to to be concerned about how much clothing we waste or our consumption issue, but it's very real, you know, we mm-hmm. see, like you said, clothing that is in landfills or just the amount of clothes that goes to waste, you know, from the from the raw materials to just cheaply made things like fast fashion. It's a whole, you know, you can go down a rabbit hole of like,
1: yeah. you know,
0: types of garments that that we probably shouldn't be making or consuming, um, but shout out to you for doing your part in that. But I know another part about, thrifting which I really enjoy is just finding like that piece that like you got for like five bucks at the store fits great you wear forever do you have like a favorite piece that you've ever thrifted that you honestly bought?
1: some of my favorite pieces have been like three dollar shirts that I've had for like 10 years <laughs> like I'm like damn this like yeah the the pieces that I've gotten for like the least amount I actually like really are my rider dies like more than some others um and what are those pieces?
0: Like what when you think about those pieces, what are what are they? Is it a t-shirt? Is it a bag? Is it a coat?
1: I would uh, I, have, I mean I don't discriminate. Look, this is thrifted. Nice, <laughs> uh, nice. And so I wear all tie-dye? the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, not so much bags. A good pair of pants, good like button downs. I have like thick corduroy button downs, dresses. Like fab dress, yeah, kind of everything, everything, honestly. And the it adds to my love when I'm like, I really got this. Like my whole outfit is ten dollars right now and I look expensive. I love it.
0: (laughs) I love that. You're like, someone, someone got rid of it. You're like, you know what? I'll pick that up and look fancy myself. Absolutely. Dig, dig. Thanks for going down that like vintage rabble. Had to touch on it. Like I said, I'm I'm very into to vintage myself. So I wanted to to kind of pick your brain on that piece kind yeah. of switching gears um, back into music I want to I want to hear more about this this project but before we get into the project specifically Bremmar, when did you first get into producing your own music'm I'm, 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 I'm assuming here that that you were producing before Louisa but if, if for some reason it was other you know switched let me know but when did you start producing
2: yeah um, I'm gonna try to Give you a condensed version because there's it's like a it's like a book with multiple chapters and different eras but I started producing at f- 15 because I got turntables first and I was like messing around with turntables for I don't know maybe a year and a half to two years before I got my first sampler you know and, and getting my first sampler was kind of like the the beginning of my producing career because shortly after getting the sampler I kind of ditched the turntables I started DJing, one can argue that I started DJing prior to producing, but it wasn't long before I barely, you know, DJed and just almost exclusively tried to make music and beats. Um, but yeah, I started when I was 15. You know, I'm 36 now. So what's that? I don't even know. I haven't thought that. I haven't thought about it. What's that? 16, 17, 8? No, 15? 30. Yeah, you're 36. You're
0: your oh. your beat making experience could go out and have a beer right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. <So is> that, <laughs> that's about right. 15,
1: 25,
2: 35. Yeah, I've been producing for over 20 years. That's, that's wild. I haven't even I honestly honestly have not like calculated that number in a while now. Um so yeah, I've been producing for over 20 years. Um a bunch of different styles. I was doing my own thing. I had my own little like group band in chicago i produced for some local rappers name
0: what was your what was your band in chicago's name
2: the band was my band it was still the 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 cool thing is that i've had the name brenmar since almost day one uh was it
0: called uh, like brenmar and the sticks like what was it No, it it was
2: brenmar someday and then i dropped the someday and it was just brenmar and it stayed just brenmar uh it might have i might have added brenmar and friends a couple times i think but it stayed just Brenmar, and because I was the one out here hustling and getting nice. all the gigs, and I nice. had, and I've said this before, like I was not the most musically inclined or talented kid in the sense of like you know I had friends that sit in front of a piano, play it well, play bass guitar, play multiple instruments, etc., uh, sing. But I really wanted it, and I, from a early age, knew I wanted it more than most of the kids around me, because. I was just sacrificing everything to do it. You know, the social life, the parties, uh, going out, the network. I was out there, man. I was grinding, grinding, just trying to connect the dots, get known, get the music out there. You know, my first little one line mention in the local newspaper for a gig that I had was obviously a big deal. I I still, I still obviously remember it now. I had, I, I, I years later got way bigger, you know, press base, but that one little mention of my name was like, yo, I'm in the newspaper.
0: (laughs) Which paper was it? Which paper was it, Bill?
2: It was called the, uh, it was called the reader. I don't know if it's around. It might might still be around uh, in Chicago. It was called the reader. Uh, But yeah, I, so I, it was my own little thing because then I went through different phases of like hip hop, then electronic music. Then I got back into like, like noise and experimental jazz. Chicago has a big experimental jazz scene. So I, I did that all in Chicago opened up for this, like no wave, like punk band. Cause at that point I was doing like, I had drums sampler turntable. I was doing like, I was like a live one man band and oh, I was looping okay. that okay. live and stuff with like acoustic instruments and scratching. And I would loop that and do weird sounds with my vocals and stuff. And uh, I hit it off with that band, their drummer left at the end of that first tour and they called me from Brooklyn and said, Hey, do you, you know, we really like, we liked your energy on stage and off stage. Like you want to join the band? I said, um, sure. But I live in Chicago. You guys live in Brooklyn. Like, how's that going to work? Oh, we'll go to to Chicago for a couple months, write some songs, go on tour that we're setting up now. And you can come back to Brooklyn and stay with us for a couple months. we got a spare room.
0: And what band is this that you're talking about?
2: This was a band called These Are Powers. These
0: Are Powers. Are they still active now?
2: No, they're definitely not active. Okay. Uh, These are people. active years. But we we got signed to an indie label. We have music videos. We have music on Spotify, all that stuff.
0: You got got records?
2: Yeah, we got records. We dropped like two albums, an EP and some singles. We were prolific. three of us dedicated to it but everybody else was older i was like 20 21 everybody else was you know the oldest guy was like 33 and then the girl was like maybe 28 29 so i was young i came in with like a new young guy energy and i i I was fucking with the samples and the drums and stuff which they weren't they were more like uh uh, singing and and bass process bass guitar so we traveled quite a bit bro my early 20s I, i went to like china all over europe all over america canada in this band not
0: super cool super cool yeah. so yes yeah, some um, you know A whole
2: nother life. Yeah, yeah
0: seriously like you start out producing and and my
2: fans don't even know about it you know
0: exclusive exclusive information yeah definitely go and look it up was it the name of the the most recent band again
2: the band was called these are powers
0: these are powers but i really
2: uh recommend you go and look it up because <laughs> Cause the music's crazy and very much of the time and has nothing to do with what we're, what we're playing on. I mean, it's so far removed. Well, whatever. Just for now.
1: reference. But if you're
2: so, yeah. If you're, if you're a curious type, feel free. Yeah.
0: To- I'm sure you got some, some super fans. I would love to go back and listen to some yeah, yeah. powers, see some old videos, but that's cool. That's cool. Going from <laughs> producing to to having your own band in Chicago, kind of doing your own thing on stage, right. touring the world with the band in, in New York. Right. Super Correct. dope
2: joined this band and I kind of set Brent Marr aside for the band. Like I I gave the band everything then the band and not, not ended to be honest. I I started doing some remixes and the remixes started getting good energy, solo remixes. And I said, I, uh, like at that time I was shifting, I don't know something. There was just an energy in the band. That was kind of like, man, we were giving it a lot, but we would come back from tour and we'd still be broke. And it's in the beginning, there's this like, Oh my God, we're going to conquer the world. Three years later, you're kind of like, I'm happy if I could just conquer rent this month, you know, like I don't know if I could keep <laughs> dedicating this much time to a band that's not making me any money or doing anything. We were, we were traveling and touring, but all the money was just being right back going back into the van and equipment that was breaking. Like, you know, I, long story short, I ended, I didn't end the band. I left the band and started pursuing like digital product, like dance music production, hip hop production and DJing again. And that's kind of like the real that's like the modern Brenmar origin story, right? Like everything I told you up until that point. M- different people throughout my life know, but Brenmar, as most people know it, starts post-band and goes from there. So like 2010 to you know a couple years ago. Gotcha. And that's got a whole another tangent, a history so. lesson
0: for people. So yeah. you know, and, and and you mentioned having hip hop influence in your production is definitely something that that I noticed. Um, on this on this uh, project that uh, you both released uh, yeah. over the pandemic, but when did you both you know Bremar you've been making music for a while? Uh, when did you both come together and say, "Hey, we need to produce together"? Like, what sparked that idea to say we're not only going to DJ together, we're going to produce together? Or what? And also, what came first, the production side or the yeah. DJ side? Well.
2: I mean, I, I, uh, uh, yeah, go uh, on. yeah what's your
1: with. take? <laughs>
2: I was, yeah, the, the pandemic got us more, like we had a lot more time, you know, and the last few years I got a lot more into real estate investing and, and, and just real estate in general. I was dedicating a lot more time to that. You know, I really like real estate. I like the investment aspect of it. And the pandemic gave every, everybody and gave us definitely at least more time. And so I was in the studio just for fun, working on songs. She was working on her vintage stuff in her studio, you know, pretty much next door, literally next door, no, oh, literally in, in the same chair a wall, in the same uh, uh, like, building. Yeah. Building here in Miami. And uh, you know, Louise has always had really good taste and, but my music was kind of my thing. And, you know, she, I would ask her her opinion and, and she would give it to me, but she respected that it was kind of my thing and had been my thing, quote unquote, for years, even before meeting, you know, but this one particular day i was just kind of starting a little remix that i had at, and uh like starting to flip this one sample i should say and she came in and started offering some ideas or suggestions and we were just kind of vibing off of it and at the end of it like we kind of ended up with this song that was really cool and very much a product of both of our ideas and i've i had already been used to collaborating with others you know i have tons of collabs as Brenmar where a collab is a 50-50 kind of thing. I come in with the beat. I have some ideas. You might take my idea and sing it in a different type of way. And it ends up sounding cool. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, that's not what I was thinking. But that sounds even better. Let's keep that. And, and then you end up, both parties end up with something that they would not have made on their own. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the beauty of collaboration when it works. And that's exactly what that ended up being. And since it, we really liked the song, we were like,
1: let's Should we do this again.
2: Bas- basically, we're like, let's make another one. And we made another one and we made another one. We made another one. And then, yeah, the production came before the DJ, which was a natural extension of that, you know? Um,
1: And then, like I mentioned, because I was kind of putting music out there on my like platform, it wasn't, it wasn't like out of nowhere that I kind of got, uh, I got it in the mix. And so I think, did I, when did I, the DJing thing
2: I don't know we must have talked about it I I really can't remember even where it started but
1: well you you know because I I love music I was like I want to be able to not just by way of playlists but I would like to like understand and know the equipment and like communicate that to people so I started I had him kind of like show me the ropes of like a cdj
2: yeah you must have just said like i i want to dj and i said all right here this is how you dj and i just kind of started showing her what does what because the truth is the technical aspect of djing anybody can learn anybody can sit down and learn how to dj you know some will learn in a matter of a few weeks others might take a couple months but anyone can learn how to dj learning what to dj right or or, or coming through with like the right sauce, that's a little bit more, you got to sort of have that and or develop that on your own. You know, I I can't give her, her her sauce or I can't give you your sauce. I can show you what this button does on this thing. And this is when you should press it. This is when you shouldn't press it. I'll give you some rules. You can decide to break them if you want, when and if, but as far as what you're going to play and how you play it, thats that's what kind of makes a DJ, I think, unique at the end of the day you know because we all have access most of us anyway have access to the same songs not all djs play them in the same order or at the same time you know right time of night can read the crowd in the same way etc right so these things separate certain djs from others and uh yeah she has good taste and so that that just permeate that you can just all right you can just transfer that taste over to this different medium it's well, thing. it's like
1: my taste and then his experience and expertise. It's a good, yeah, it's, it's a, a good, good fit.
2: Well, and it's a, it's a good combo because it, it informs my taste as well. And vice you versa. You can't beat that.
0: You can't beat that. Whenever you have a partner, that's also way into music, way into digging. Like my partner, Sarah, some of the best musical tastes that I've ever come across. So it's just like, you know, yeah. he's putting you on music that you haven't heard. He's putting you on music, right. you know, it's definitely makes for a good relationship. And I want right. to talk more about the learning curve specifically about dj and louisa and your your process with that but i want to feature and i want to play uh one of the tracks from the project that uh you both have released over the pandemic um it's a track called uh she got um i notice you know in listening to the track i noticed um travis scott in there i believe it's a is it rosalia yeah okay yeah um you know it's really like the, the drums of, in there really yeah. you know you got some like classic Travis Scott ad-libs throughout the song um but if you can just explain a little bit about how that song came about um and how you both uh, collaborated on that track
1: I think that was your idea to flip that one
0: I know I'm trying to think what was it called right now
1: TKN
2: oh yeah the TKN TKN yeah yeah that was my idea to flip that one, although I can't tell you why it was my idea to flip that one right now. I'm trying to think I think it's a um, hard
1: song it's cool, yeah
2: yeah no it's it's a dope song,
1: the and spanish element yeah
2: we we wanted to you know we envision Louisa and Bill being a house version, a houseier version of Brenmar with like a little bit of like Brenmar influences it from like. Uh, hip hop, but with a little bit of Latin twist as well. Latin references, so hip hop, Latin, and house. um You know, to kind of break it down. It's, it's-
1: like Brenmar in Miami with a girl, with yeah. his girl. <laughs> that the next chapter. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the,
2: that's kind of the vibe. I've been, I've been I've always had house references, although you know maybe from like 2016 to 18, Brenmar was a little. I was making more hip hop than than anything, but. It is what it is. These last two years, I've been, you know, just enjoying house music a lot more than ever. I'm, once again, I'm from Chicago, so I was hearing that stuff very early on before I even knew that's what it was called. But there's always that's always been a reference point uh, throughout most of Brenner's career. It's always been a reference point. But um, yeah, so just house that song was specifically was us reference because we made that. Was that the last one we made out of the four? No. Oh no! This the a, the third. It was yeah, the, third. the third. At third that third. point, we had already made like kind of a, a an R and B one, a hip hop referencing one. We wanted something that had a Latin influence, and
1: but still hip hop.
2: Yeah, and still hip hop, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that song just came had come out around that time, and just sort of fit
0: the mold. And yeah, we flipped it. Nice. Yeah, love that track. You wanna you wanna go ahead and introduce that track for our listeners. Yeah, this is Bill from Louisa
2: and Bill, and you're listening to She Got on MSYH MSYHFM.
1: MSYHFM.
0: Back, thanks for tuning in to MSYH.FM. My name is RB. I'm here with Louisa and Bill. We're talking life, we're talking production, we're talking DJing, um, we're talking about the upcoming event at Cobra. They will be headlining the Cobra Rising New Year's Eve party presented by Make sure You Have Fun and Creative's Drink. Louisa and Bill, welcome back.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, of course.
0: So uh, we left off talking about some production inspirations um love that track she got one of my favorites off of the project if you haven't heard these songs go check it out on Premar's soundcloud we'll link to that in the description but i do want to hear more about louisa djing it's a whole nother world like discovering music finding music digging for music you know going online, going on YouTube, that's all relatively simple. It's, it's difficult in its own right, but DJing that music and, and figuring out how it fits within a set and when to play it, how to use the equipment, how has that learning curve been for you?
1: Um, It's definitely a learning curve. I'm trying to just keep having fun with it and not taking myself or it too serious um, because we do have other projects going on, I'm trying to really treat this as a passion project. And so just making sure that I have fun with it. That's been like a, a good guiding kind of light. Um, cause I've definitely been booked for gigs and have done them or prepping and I start like freaking out and I'm just, you know, the natural pre-gig anxiety mm. and stress or, I'm still learning the equipment and I'm not as, I'm still, yeah, I'm still learning it. So I'm obviously not as comfortable as someone that's been doing it for 20 years. Um, So, yeah, I'm still learning for sure. Just to be completely transparent. Of course,
0: of course it's it's, it's a lot. Like it's a lot to learn, especially when you get into the different types of mixers, you know, they come out with those every few years. So it can be a lot to take in, you know, uh, Bill, I'm sure you can DJ in your sleep with certain equipment you know what I mean like with yeah, your eyes closed yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah pretty, pretty much <laughs> so did yeah, you yeah.
0: learn Louisa did you learn on on CDJs or did you learn on turntables How, what did you what did you first
1: learn CDJs yeah we have a uh, Bill has CDJ 1000s yeah. yeah yeah um that were just kind of collecting dust for a little bit so I was like let me let me take these bad boys out and see what I can do and yeah he showed me kind of like Initial ropes, and then I just kind of like freestyle and flow my way through. Um, yeah, that's how I've been. That's I've just been trying to like kind of happy accident, you know, find good transitions that I think sound good. Sometimes I think they're great, and then I, you know, try to get them checked by him, and he's like, What the hell? Where's that coming from? Um, sometimes they're great. Like when I see him, when he's in the room and he's bopping, I'm like, Cool, I don't have to ask him. Like it's working, it's working um right yeah so cdj's he's are you're kind of like a purist when it comes to that a little bit so he didn't let me like learn about the sync button no i didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know somebody, about the that's
0: blasphemous for djs that's black to, to throw the sync button on to transition blasphemous
2: yeah, yeah no because none of it's necessary if you just work just a little bit harder the thing is like you know i dj'd Uh, with I've DJed with just vinyl I've DJed with just CDJs I've DJed with Serato and CDJs. Serato and vinyl and I've DJed with what I use now which is USB and CDJs and um, it's by far the best and it's a it's the right mix of still like you still have to DJ (laughs) you still have to like you take it back to being an art form that is based around listening um it's not visual. DJ was never overly visual. There's vis- there's always been visual elements, but uh you know, even even going back to like just uh turntables and records and looking at the record and making like there has been visual elements as day one, but it's all said and told like a, a an audio, you know, art audio experience like and 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 CDJs out in 2022, 2021 are Computers. These things are computers. You know, the Tesla is not an automobile in the traditional sense. That thing's a computer with wheels. CDJ is the same (laughs)
0: thing. Like,
2: you don't need a computer on stage. These are computers. They have waveforms that you can see. There, it's everything's digital. Like, they're great. And you know, I was like, yo, we have CDJs. You're gonna learn on these things because, right? Because then there's no going back. Then you're gonna use a computer or something. You're gonna be like, what? This is like, I don't know, boring.
0: And they're yeah. everywhere, like CDJs are pretty much, you know, standard, standard you know, from here across the world, and you'll be able to plug in your USB, yep. as
1: as I was like, you- which they- is also really enticing to travel light, yeah. you know, just with like CDJ, I mean, a uh, USB and yep. backup versus like worrying about your computer all night if you're at a gig right. or
2: no, that was enticing. Yeah, no shade to anybody that DJs with their computers on stage. I get it. Super convenient. Um, but you know, and I've had this conversation with multiple DJ friends here in Miami, man, if you just take a little bit of time, annoying to have to set up the tracks again, for sure. But you're going to love your life when you just show up to the gig with your USB stick and you're good to go. No computer. I think it also depends on nobody. what
1: type of set you're playing. Right? Yeah, but I
2: was playing top 40 fast sets on USB. You know, I made it work. Right. I was doing fast sets, like fast top 40 style. I've done what those. What do you mean,
1: try, Like quick, quick, like
2: quick, quick mix. Yeah, quick mix Miami style at Live. Here in Miami, like I've done those. I never used a computer when I played live, you know, I just prepped accordingly. So it takes take a little bit more prep, prep yeah, because you can't just be searching for songs as quickly as on Serato or something, but listen, they all, they both work. Um, Neither of them will make you a good DJ. You know what I mean? Uh But I, I, I she, in the sense that like with the CDJs, you tend to use your ears a little bit more. You're not so focused. On looking at a screen, and it makes for a more enjoyable experience and better pictures too. When you're people take pictures of you DJing, you ain't looking like you're checking your email or
0: something. <laughs> I've oh, definitely yeah. heard I've definitely heard DJs talk like you know, like why are you hiding behind your laptop or you know you hiding right. behind the crowd type of stuff. Um, and yeah, no shade to people. I still DJ with a laptop at times myself, but uh, yeah, to your point, yeah. as far as CDJs, like you do have a better, you just can see the crowd. There's no obstruction between you and the crowd. Right. And, you know, and photos and
2: are so great. DJs are a little pricey. I get it. So, like, they definitely if, are pricey. You know, getting if you're CDs. just starting off, you're not spending two, three grand on buying some CDJs. You're going to get a controller for a couple hundred bucks in your laptop. And that's super chill. I did that for years. That's what I'm saying. No shade at all. But it, it is, it's fun. It's a really fun experience to DJ on USBs. And I encourage anybody who has the opportunity to try and do it, you know?
0: Of course. Of course. Of course. It's, and speaking of software and, and hardware, what, what do you use for production? Like when you're making your your edits in your music, what are your software uses that you use to make your uh, edits and remixes in original music? Um, and also, do you have any special hardware that you're using? You know, I know people use like Machine or some people use uh, Ableton Push. Uh, what, what are some yeah. of those hardware pieces, if any, that you also use? Uh,
2: I do have Machine um, and I have used it. Don't do it for edits very much, uh, you know, for original productions. I got Machine. Um, but i would say that you know everything is pretty much in the box man i mean my main main thing is ableton and i've been using ableton since uh ableton three and i think we're on what 11 now or 10
0: i believe 11. It's, i believe it's 11.
2: 11 right yeah i just got it uh yeah 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 11 it's 11 but i've been using it since since three it was the first time i ever used it and um yeah, I don't have too much experience with, it's either that or Pro Tools, you know, and Ableton has been my go-to uh, for years. You know, it was the first one I could use that was light enough on my laptop when I moved to New York in my early 20s. And I was using that thing for my samples, for everything. Still using, it. was was on it yesterday, making some edits. Um, so Ableton is definitely like, you know, you go-to. my go-to for sure. Ableton's it. Yeah, Ableton's Any, it any
0: special like plugins or, yeah, I know you can get crazy when it comes yeah. to
2: that. Plugins, yeah, I got uh,
0: any special plugins or anything else for like our, our, our producer and beat nerds out there that they can they can go and tap into.
2: Yeah, I, I would recommend, you know, I really love all the sound toys. Uh, sound toys is the brand. They have a bunch of different plugins they make. I love their stuff. It's not that expensive. And you could do it's, it's a good mix of like. Uh, it strikes a balance between like good audio quality, but also like fun, you know, you could have fun with it. It's not just about the. It's not just like a, another like analog compressor. Like you could make stuff sound cool. Uh, so Sound Toys is like a really really cool one. Uh, that brand and and what they do. Um, you know, that, I got a bunch of other stuff too, man. But that would be the one that I would like stand behind. I think anybody that doesn't have it that would get it would be like, damn, this is this is dope. Like, thanks for the you know recommendation. Like, this is fire. Okay. Good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's cool. I mean, those those little tidbits, you know, one or two things go a long way for some folks, especially anyone listening who's looking to get into production or doesn't even have Ableton. You know, that can start them off on, on the right track. Louisa, have you have you dove into the like? Are you are you right now kind of behind the shoulder, like saying, hey, this needs to go here type thing? Are you getting to learn a software yourself? Like, where are you at in that uh, aspect of of Louisa and Bill?
1: We're very much in work smarter, not harder. So, um, yes, I'm definitely behind the shoulder. (laughs) I'm behind the shoulder. He, I mean, he just does it way faster, more efficient, my learning curve. Is huge like the gap from where I would need to be and where I am now is really huge. Yeah, it's huge. In order for us to just like get it done, it's best that he kind of keeps no, well and
2: the the, <laughs> le- the learning curve for DJing, although definitely there is much faster than production, especially, especially now and with digital DJing is way faster than production, which is also faster than it was, let's say 10 years ago. But um, you know, with courses and YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and everybody showing like stuff like like I had to read the manual to learn how to use my NPC like the physical manual they shipped with it. I read that thing, you know, and then spent like hours for months just figuring out what things did. But uh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: To be honest, I'm also not that into like tech and gadgets. And he is. Yeah. And so I'm gonna let him lean into that. For me, it's the kind of the more musical editing, yeah. like, yeah,
2: well, it, it's like getting in the studio with a with a rapper or a singer, you know what I mean? I'm I'm on I'm on the laptop, and kind of feeding off of their energy and adding a beat, adding a this adding a synth, you know, adding a certain sound, I might play something on a synth. And she's like, uh, I don't know about that sound. It sounds a little corny or something. And I'd be like, All right, well, let's try another one Do-do-do-do-do, switch it up. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. And it's as simple as that, right? Like it it also, it might be like, oh, yeah, that is pretty cool. Boom. Decision made. Yeah, decision made. Now we move on to a baseline or the next thing versus like suffering through decision fatigue when you're by yourself and you're like, damn, I think this synth is cool. You know, I think. Uh, Hold on. Let me try. another. This one's kind of cool, too. Sometimes. Yeah.
1: Sometimes, you know, the answer, but you just need like a sounding board to just like. Yeah, uh, Yeah, correct. Yeah, give you confidence in your answers. So that's, yeah, it's been like a...
2: Yeah, yeah, this project has... Right, it's not dependent on you. Like, I've been producing for so long. For me, it's just like, all right, we could do this. And she'll just be like, oh, it sounds kind of weird. Or can we make it sound bigger? Or what about if we change this sound? Yes, yes, yes. Boom, 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 boom. Cool. And we keep it moving. So very much, yeah, it's literally... You're Am just- I your
1: rapper superstar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: like working with a rapper or a singer when, when we work on the songs, you know? I just have I've developed the technical expertise over so many years that, you know, but she comes in with the ideas. Yeah. Andy Warhol is a key of his art, you know? Of
0: course, yeah, no, yeah. I, I do not knock it at all. I think there's so right. many different layers of producing like a, a great song. There's so many different, right. you know, ways to influence the final product of a record and not no diss to the years you've put in to clicking buttons but much like you said with DJing that doesn't make you a good producer just because you know how to use the program know. you know it's the tape uh, it's the experience it's knowing what a good track sounds like and it right. sounds like that's what Louisa brings yeah.
2: sometimes like you know I would get demos from really young amateur producers where the song itself sounds like bad you know sounds like crap but the ideas were great and so you could already feel that you could be like, oh this is good with I you mean know, a little refining or like you know I would even help them sometimes send me the stems and I'll like clean it up a little bit for you but you got some and then vice versa I'd, I would hear some great sounding songs but have no desire to ever listen to them because I just didn't like any of the musical choices you know the synth the bass the drum sounds like I was just like that's not my style you know maybe for somebody else wasn't for me you know Hundred uh, percent. So 100%. yeah, yeah. The guy's been producing for five months, has some good ideas, knows just enough to put it together. And sometimes that was just enough for me
0: to appreciate totally. it. Totally, totally. Yeah. Someone can hop right on the sticks and, and bang out something, and there's someone that could be producing for 15 years. It's like, man, you still don't get it? You st- right, you still don't
2: you you don't have the sauce or the you know, the sauce oh, that fun. I would wanna, you know, like it, it's not fitting for me. Yeah, I I could think of a couple a couple, a couple right on top <laughs> of my head now oh. like that's <laughs> what it is you know
0: i love yeah. that you keep it diplomatic you're like my sauce like you're very you know it's, it's kind of to the tune of what we talked about earlier where you said you know music and taste is subjective so i love that you continue that thread through through how you explain things yeah. um it's
2: the beauty of the space and occasionally it's downfall too but you know it is,
1: it is when, it, when
2: everything's subjective everything's subjective <laughs> how do right. you how do you confirm value? Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough. You confirm it, seeking outside social, vali- proof.
0: social proof and validation. And that's a slippery slope. You know, but also you said some of the best music isn't recognized. You know, you can you can right. say market is a determiner, but then, you know, the market doesn't always get it right. You
2: know, well, and, and, and that's that's entertaining for us to talk about here. But for that artist making that music, that fucking sucks. Oh, <laughs> you know, right. it might. In the sense that like, damn, they really putting their heart and soul into this and they're not getting the uh, quote unquote recognition that they might think they also deserve. We might think they deserve it. And they probably do, too. Or maybe they don't care. I don't know. You know, like that, that you got to ask, you know, you got to ask each artist, but. I think your average artist, you know, your average producer, DJ, everyone, wants some recognition. yeah, everybody wants that recognition for the amount of time and energy they've been putting into a project or sure. a song, an idea. You know, like no one never denies it. Totally, so yeah. F- dopamine, dopamine is dope. You know. Yeah, exactly.
0: Dopamine you is dope. You should <laughs> be on a t-shirt. Getting into performance, you know, we talked a little bit about um, the production side. Uh, we talked about DJing kind of loosely. Um, me, I've been to Miami a few times. Like, I've been down, uh, uh, like, post-Basel before to catch some of, like, the One World Wall stuff. I've been down there for a selection show. We hit 1-800-LUCKY. Yeah. Um, we're very good friends with a Miami collective by the name of Sophisticated Delinquency. Uh, it's headed by... This producer artist, my homie John Sean, they've they've done they've done events at you know uh, the spot called the Attic. They've done events at the spot called um, Racket, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the okay. Attic is above Racket. Got it. Okay, Attic's above Racket, uh, Tiki yeah. Garden. Um, a lot of a lot of dope stuff. He has this party called the Juke Jam. But um, what are some either venues that you both have played or really enjoy in Miami that people should check out? <laughs>
1: one lucky is a go-to venue mm-hmm. it's definitely go-to it's they the owners or at least one of them I think a couple of them care about music and so the sound I mean the sounds good right for outside whatever yeah. their their music yeah. Listen, um, you,
2: you want to check out one lucky Coyo Taco, Dante's Hi-Fi and Oasis they're all the same ownership the main guy cares about music right now. Oasis is the main spot bringing down live shows to Miami uh, on the Latin side. And like the more kind of underground indie side, you know, from from Sech or Raul Alejandro to Kate Renata.
1: Rema, Wizkid. Rema, we Wizkid. Saw.
2: We saw recently, you know, they're doing cool live performances. All those spots are in Wynwood.
1: ATV Records
2: is another spot. Is another cool. spot.
1: It's but it's like... um it's a little back room behind this bar restaurant called Melinda's yeah it's been a the the actual place has been like a go-to venue in Miami for many years and it's changed names and their newest rendition is ATV records and it's a lot of just dance music like house techno and it's like low-key oh it's cool
0: you, you said you said it has a storefront in the front of this AT, you said ATV
1: ATV ATV ATV. Um. In-
0: What's in the? You said there's something in the front of it.
1: No, just like a, a restaurant, like I which guess.
2: Uh, which they also turn into a club sometimes as well. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess it's like a restaurant slash bar in the front and a little club in the back. Then about two blocks from there, you got Eleven, which is like a super strip club,
1: twenty four hour, twenty four hour. And then you got trip.
2: yeah, and then you space. got and then you got Space, which is after you, hours. Yeah, if you're a house music fan for the last, I don't know how many years. What twenty? Yeah, may at least, right? Maybe more.
0: That's a long time for a venue.
2: It's been a long. It's big. Twenty four hours. It opens on Friday, and what doesn't? Does it close? It does. It, it's
1: open like Friday to Monday, but like they yeah, but like there will be a line out the door at like six a.m. on Sunday
2: to get in. To get in. Yeah. No way.
1: Yes, yeah, yes.
2: Yes. And the DJ has been playing for like. 20 hours no time, like you know? the
1: martinez brothers it's sort of a tradition i think like every basil or winter music they play like a 24 hour set yeah there.
2: It's like hot, sometimes hot, hot. it's
1: like 36 hours i don't know how that's physically possible but it happens like often
2: yeah but so
0: <laughs> you just shoveling you just like ushering food to the booth water yeah just- yeah
1: mm-hmm. there's sometimes we'll go <laughs> go to sleep have a whole ass day and then we like tune into Instagram and we're like they're still going.
0: Yes, insane. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta check that out. Maybe, maybe not for for twenty four hours or thirty six hours, but no, I, no, just, no, no. I, I can spend a couple hours in there for sure.
1: Yeah, it's a go to. You, yeah,
0: yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned Koyo Koyo T- Taco. I've been okay. there once. Um, it reminds me of Capo Deli in D.C. I love those spots where like the front is like one thing, yeah. you know, it's just like a taco spot, but then you go into the back and it's a whole club. I love right. those
1: spots. Correct. Right,
0: any spaces that you haven't played as Louisa and Bill that you do want to play? Like, what is what are some spots that are perfect for the sound?
2: I mean, space would be perfect for the sound. We could probably have, like, a fun set at space. We've never played space. Uh, that's, like,
1: a whole other... Yeah, but
2: sneak us in at the right time. That's, sure, that's We sure. can hold it down um, for sure. Uh, yes, space would probably be my number one answer as far as...
1: ATV you know. we could do easy. ATV would be cute.
2: Yeah, we haven't done ATV, actually. No,
1: ATV's yeah. cute. Yeah, but yeah.
2: The, the product's been very low-key, you know? It's been very much a word of mouth through friends, to be honest with you. We we have not once, once tried to get a DJ gig, and we've had multiple, but we haven't one written one email or sent one text or anything to try to get a gig. It's just friends of friends that, you know, kind of know or like the vibe, the sound. and
1: The Freehold was cute. We played yeah, that, we the we Freehold. Played. That's a, a new... They...
2: spot. fucked coffee hold yeah they got a couple in the states they have
1: a i think one in new york and they opened one up last year in miami Mm -hmm. and we played that that a couple times yeah yeah
0: that's important. yeah and it makes sense you know i've definitely heard of bremoire but not until louise and bill was on this on this bill for new year's at at cobra you know it makes sense like Derek and miranda they're so well traveled like always had their air to the street it only makes sense that one of your first sets would be at at their spot so shout out to Listen, this is, our,
2: this is our first set outside, as Louisa and Bill, outside of South Florida. And, you know, Derek is a good friend, has been a friend for many years and does have his kind of, this This is a project, I think, because the, the song, we, we were not pushing the project like that. So Derek does not have the songs or the project like that. You know, it has not had it. There's not a ton of press, nothing like that. So it is a testament to his faith in us being able to come through and, and deliver on the vibes, you know? Straight
0: up, man. Straight up. And and if anyone, especially in Pittsburgh, if anyone trusts taste, it's from Derek and Miranda for sure. Yeah, shout,
2: shout out to Derek and nice. Miranda for
0: sure. Yeah. Super shout out to both of them. What I do sense, you know, there's another track that that you had called "After Hours," and when I listen to "After Hours," um, not only did I p- pick up on uh, like it was the weekend, it's a weekend sample, right?
1: Yeah yeah pick
0: up on that um but it felt to me like late night like pool vibes you know what I mean like
1: definitely like sunset vibes or yeah yeah like like, like, you see water being nearby (laughs) Yeah, on a boat is that what you're going for with that yeah
2: yeah no way I would say so
1: Sunset has been like a theme yeah yeah
2: yeah not sunset.
1: literal but yes, just like the vibe. The vibe of sunset, especially in Miami, there's gonna be water, palm trees. again, you can be on a boat or on a dock or you know just with just with water and sun and good vibes. yeah are there like are there like
0: spots you know I, I would assume in Miami you have some like dope on the beach parties or venues. are there any like beach spots that like a good sunset? Vibe or sunsets that could go down at or like a dope pool venue. I haven't really dove into those parts of Miami nightlife. Are there any of those type of spots? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, like the standard pre-pandemic would, would have good like Sunday parties. Um, Soho House is a, a venue that always has good programming and that's on the water. And then all the you, like, all, play,
0: you all played that. You played Soho Beach House, right?
1: Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. I think my first official gig was at Soho House, actually.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Soho House, cool.
1: Um, and then all the, I mean, all the hotels on the beach are vibes. It just depends on what you're going for. I think they're a little, they tend to be a little bit more mainstream. Miami is kind of like the Vegas of the East Coast. So it can, it can go that route very easily. Um, it kind of depends on what you're, what you're looking for. Of course, of
0: course. Um, but yeah, the, the track, the track after hours, um, not only did I catch that vibe, but also, you know, in, in, in chopping tracks and sampling tracks, there's an art in that as well. Like, how do you, how do you determine which part of the song you're going to choose to like either loop or sample, you know, from a three, four minute song? What, what is your process for, Picking out specifically a sample on After Hours. How did you? How did you decide to slice the parts that you sliced?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, I could answer that one because it is. I think about it a lot. Um, from a practical point of view, the less going on in the background, the easier it'll be for me to remix. And what do I mean? I mean like you know, assuming there's no drums, no line, a bunch of stuff in the background. If there's a line, it's going to be hard for me to add a line. Maybe I don't want to add a baseline. And in that situation, that might work. But ideally, the number one thing I want is like clear vocals. There also could be music in the background, to some extent, maybe some synths or something like that. And I can make that work as well, potentially. But you know, the clearer the sample, the easier I can flip it, you know. Um, and then on the other side, the flip side to that is, is making sure it's something that I can loop and not get tired of. Right. Uh, it has to be catchy. It has to be hooky. It doesn't have to be the hook. And frequently when I sample it's not the hook because that's just a little too easy sometimes. Uh, so it's, it might be like a catchy bar that works and it might And then the third part of that, I guess I would add, is whatever is being said is worthy of being kind of chopped up, right? Repeated. Repeated, right? Like the line doesn't have to make sense, but has to feel like it makes sense. It can't be super random. You know, it it could be like, you know, uh, baby, you're my, like, it could be like, baby, you're my girl. Something like that. It could just be that, right? It could just be like three or four words, and I can turn that into an entire song um and your average person won't need any more context for that that's like good enough for them and then with the right music behind it to support it and it's not you know this isn't new right this is kind of like house music since day one right like there's not it's not always been about like uh verse hook verse breakdown ver- verse hook like no sometimes it's just a couple words or like they're not even singing sometimes they're just talking over the track so yeah just trying to find the. A clean sample, catchy, and uh, the lyrics make sense to some extent.
0: Nice, nice. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into After Hours from uh, Louisa and Bill.
1: Louisa, you want to intro this track? Sure. This is Louisa of Louisa and Bill, and you're listening to After Hours on msyh.fm.
0: um really enjoy that after hour song like i said i meant I, I envision like sun going down late night pool vibes i love the weekend got a weekend t-shirt on right now um really? super super fan of the weekend but it's kind of crazy like how big the weekend got like w- were you both on the weekend when he first came out I was, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. You know, back at like back house, house of balloons days.
2: Uh-huh. I love that project.
0: Incredible. From the first song that he's yep. ever come out with, like half of this, like nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's I crazy. Heard that, I
2: heard that voice and I said, I said, who's this? Like, this, that voice, you know, I heard the voice and right away you're like, this is different. Mm-hmm. This is special. Um, and you know, he was all on the sound
1: was cool too, was like dark voice,
2: yeah, yeah. And uh, the songs have aged pretty well, I would say. I think most of them have aged quite well. Um, and you didn't know who he was or nothing, so he had, had that whole little aura of mystery going for him. But uh,
0: right now, I agree 100%. Like you, you know, it's very dark in the beginning, you know, very sad. It's kind of crazy to think that when those first three projects came out, he had never left Toronto at that point. Crazy. But I believe it, it happened super quick. Like I, I, saw him in 2012. He had come to Pittsburgh. Um, we have this venue called Mr. Small's Theater in Pittsburgh. It's like it's probably like a thousand cap. Uh, it was like the second leg of the House of, or the House of Balloons tour that he did, um, and it sold out, which it should have. You know that project was amazing. I think it it caught traction. But just yeah. two years later, I saw him in Brooklyn at Barclays he, for King of the Fall tour. Oh. And that's 17,000 people. Like, that's just, wow. that's, that's so quick. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, have you both gotten to see him live? No. no. I've never seen him I live, actually. Know. I've
2: never seen him live. not going to lie. I've not seen him live.
0: It's, it's definitely different. The show is definitely different from, like, you know, a small, intimate, like a thousand person show, that particular project to now. Um, right. But yeah, it's just, it's just kind of incredible how he went from, you know, half for this and the you know, glass table girls and all that type of stuff to, you know, break in billboard records for blinding lights, you know, being on billboards as long as it was. Um, it's a testament. It has to be, it's the only way it would be.
2: No one gets that big and has this consistent of a career. If they themselves as an artist didn't have the vision to drive it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: meaning like, you know, kudos to the people he keeps around him, his team, etc. cetera, like, He has the right, you know, one would argue, I think, pretty easily that he has the right people and the right systems in place to help him scale. But you don't get there, you know, you don't get there if you don't want to go there. He wanted to go there. You know, Travis Scott has wanted to go there. Another one with like a distinct vision. Uh, you know, Kanye West, another one with a very distinct Drake, vision, break with a very distinct vision. You don't get that big by accident
1: and stay
2: and stay that relevant. Because I
1: think, no, there are over. Well, seemingly yeah. overnight yeah, yeah, for or sure. viral moments. But to, to maintain.
2: No, you could come out, have an awesome album and that might be the only album, you know what I mean? Like where you maintain that certain level of quality or whatever for a lot of reasons. But at a certain point after that initial like well you know this was a good project can you back it up all right well this was a good second album can you do it all right well this you know at some point you got you just stop saying that think
1: about someone like frank ocean we love frank ocean but obviously frank ocean is not trying to be right like the weekend or drake it's just like everywhere all the time
2: consistently yeah just like making records yeah or right, he would but- or he exactly.
1: If he could, if yeah. he wanted to, so he obviously doesn't want to, so he's not. Yeah, yeah. Right.
0: that's a that's,
2: um, that's vision for
0: sure. Of course, of course. Yeah, you know, speaking of vision, like when he first came out with House of Balloons, like I was, I was on him pretty hardcore at the beginning, and he had all three projects titled before they even came out. Like when the House mm-hmm. of Balloons came out, he already had Thursday titled Echoes of mm-hmm. Silence. Was, it was just releasing the projects, um, you know, which is again just a testament to vision. Well, speaking of artists that you know, I think caught wind very quickly. Another track off of the 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 remix project that you both put out is uh, "Just Us Woo," where you you yeah. you sampled um, Pop Smoke. Um yeah, yeah. Really love that track too. I love like the, the the guitar melody, and I can't catch that. I don't know if it's a sample. I don't know if it's um. I don't know if it's right. something you played. Um, but if you can just explain a little bit about. Why you chose to sample Pop Smoke on this particular project, um, and just some inf- like I need I need an answer to where that guitar came from. Um, if you could talk a little bit about the "Just Us Woo" track, is it from the song? Hell
1: yeah, it's from the song. It's a Roddy Rich and Pop Smoke Pop a, Smoke song.
2: Yeah, it's Roddy. It's Rich called Pop Smoke. Uh, what's it called? The, the woo. woo. That's what it's called. The Woo. It's with it's with a uh, Fifty Cent, Roddy Rich, and Pop Smoke. So is it, but it was, it was a 50 cent. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was a pop smoke song mm. right, for a second. I thought it was Roddy, but no, Me he's too. just featured on it. Uh. So 50 cent and Roddy are featured on it. It's called the woo, the fire gu- song, fire song. <laughs> the original's fire. Yeah. Even fit, 50s versus cool too. Uh, the guitar loop is straight up from that song. All we did was speed it up a little bit or slow it down. I can't recall right now. One of the two. But I didn't I don't even think we didn't change the pitch or nothing. I literally I heard the song and I was like, this song is dope. This loop is clean. Let me see if I could squeeze out a couple little vocal references from the song and see if it goes somewhere. That's that's as simple as the idea is for me to just get inspired and give it an hour of my time. At the end of that hour, I either have something that's worth continuing to work on or I don't. And in this situation, you know, it worked out. I, we finished that one pretty fast. Mm-hmm, that that was, was the
1: last one. That
2: was the last one. And we made that one in a couple of days, I think, you know, 95% of it was done in two or three days. All of these songs were done in like two to three days, you know, with a couple finishing little touches, I don't know, spread out over a, a couple of weeks, but you know, the songs were done like with, with under three days, almost all of them.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's one of my, definitely one of my favorites on, the Project. Uh, let, let's get into it. Let's let, let's let the people hear it. Uh, Bill, you want to intro this track?
2: This is Bill from Louisa and Bill, and you're listening to Just Us Who on MSYH.FM. MSYH.FM.
0: Woo by Louisa and Bill. Um, again, love that track. These tracks are all available to uh, download and stream on SoundCloud. Um, we'll put those those links in the description. Um, we're getting towards the end of the the interview here. You know, we've talked about uh, production. We've talked about um, musical inspiration. We've talked about um, how Louisa and Bill have formed, um, but there's some other aspects that um, I think our listeners and certainly fans of both uh, Louisa and Bill that would be interested to know. Um, outside of music, outside of clothing, outside of uh, bands, um, you both are int- you both are currently in the venture of flipping real estate and property. Right now, right. You, you have two airbnb properties that you have mm-hmm. um and the deco dream day studio and
1: um,
0: deco daydream
1: deco daydream and, and Casas sueños.
0: S- casa, su- casa sueños casa sueños those are both sueños is
1: just dream in spanish
0: yeah, yeah. okay so
2: house, house dream in spanish
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. two, two beautiful properties
0: i'm not sure which part of miami but both in miami if you're in the area uh, look up those two. I know you have links in your Instagram bios for people to check sure. it out. Um, really did your thing on that. Um, but if you can, let, let let the folks listen and know a little bit about this newish venture. You know, you've been doing this um, much less time than than DJ yeah. Discover Music. But if you can right. um, catch us up with where you are in this project and, and what you uh, plan to do with it.
2: Uh with this project that we were talking about, Airbnb specifically, real estate,
1: real estate
0: real and estate then- in general. Yeah. What is your, what are your plans with real estate? You know, yeah. how, how did you come into doing it?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the, the, the MO here, right. Is financial freedom. Real estate is not the only way to achieve that by any means. Um, but it does tend to be one of the most secure ways to do it. Uh, secure, dependable, time-tested, and approved ways of doing it. You know, at that point, we're talking rental property, could be residential, could be commercial, uh, Airbnb, short-term rental now, which, you know, wasn't as easy to get into, say, 15, 20 years ago, whatever. But, um, yeah, you know, we could go down this rabbit hole of what it means to be financially free, and that's something that each person has to define for themselves. My financially free won't be your financially free. Um, But basically having your money work for you, as opposed to you having to work for your money. Um, You don't have to work for your money. We're blessed enough to be in a country where that's not the only option. Nothing wrong with work. It's a noble thing, but it isn't the only option. And, you know, Warren Buffett did not amass his fortune by just saving money. He invested it. And so we're talking about assets. And acquiring assets, you know, um, that those comes in a lot. Those come in a lot of different things. Real estate tends to be one of my favorite. Once again, just because, you know, it it works. We're still living. We're still out here. Most of us living out here in houses that are maybe 70, a hundred years old. I know Pittsburgh has tons of, you know, old buildings that were probably built in the eighteen hundreds, and they're still being utilized to this day. So it's something that's going to stick around. Um, the Airbnb was a fun, fun project that we worked really hard on for a good, what, six months or so? No. Yeah, from beginning to end, it had to be five to six months at least.
1: July to November. I, know, I mean, okay. f- maybe, yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, f- five to six months.
0: Yeah. Uh, so these first two projects here, these first two Airbnbs that are active right now, like these are up on yeah, the site. Um, sure. Which one came first? And were these both like complete rehabs? Like, did you gut it out and redesign it completely?
2: So this, without getting too in the weeds or, or, or nerdy about it, because you get me started and we, this could extend for another two hours. Uh, my father sold some real estate in Chicago. And when you sell investment real estate, meaning you know a house that you rent, a, a office that you own, um, anything that's just basically not your personal residence. Once you sell that, you can effectively roll the capital gains into another piece of real estate. So if you bought it for a hundred thousand and now it's worth 200,000, you owe taxes on that hundred thousand dollars in value and appreciation and equity. You can roll that tax-free. This is a law that's been around for like a hundred years. And so we did that. He sold his real estate in Chicago and we bought a new construction single family house in the front with a small house in the back. We did not rehab this property, thankfully, or it would have been much longer than four to six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this house we bought a beautiful, essentially a beautiful new property that I envisioned, you know, in, could, a,
1: in a great area, in a good
2: area, which is key to Airbnb.
0: What part? Uh, what, what which area specifically? Uh, and are both of these properties in the same exact area it's on
1: the same lot
0: they're
2: on the same lot so it's a house with a little house in the like back. a
1: back house the studio a back house. A-
2: okay so, so that- these
0: two are this they're the same property but two different correct. listings. okay
2: correct correct same property two different listings both private uh west of buena vista which is like near design district here in miami and, and winwood and winwood five five minutes from winwood so super trendy up-and-coming areas here in miami um when you're
0: coming down to our Basel, you know where a book.
2: Correct. Yes. Yeah, we had them both booked up. No problem, you know. So, yeah, we we, we bought this specific plot of land uh, with the houses already built, new construction and decided, you know, let's turn these into an Airbnb. This is a good, it's a business model that makes sense. I have a couple of friends that were doing it. And, um, yeah, just looking for ways to generate additional income that is not dependent on us having to go out of our way to literally get paid for our time, you know, shift your focus and try to make your money make money for you. Uh, A little bit won't change your life over time. If you keep compounding those gains, you'd be quite surprised. You'd also quite surprised at how much money one needs to live. You know, a very, you know, modest lifestyle is much less than one might assume. You know, you don't need a million bucks to, you know, to be financially free. So like I said, you one has to decide what that number is for themselves. But yeah, we're not there yet by any means. But that's the end goal. That's the, the current bigger project out of all the little projects that we tend to do
0: of course no it's great i think it's great i think investing in real estate is like you said time tested and approved um
2: and and everybody can do it you know you don't you don't got to speak english you don't got to be from this country you don't have to go to college like everyone has access to it you know
0: america is for sale
2: yeah 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 everyone can do it everyone can do it so it's cool in that sense
0: good and things are moving well it sounds like you got some pre-bookings out the you know, in the future, which is always good to know that you have some money coming in. But these ones are active. These ones are up. You're also rehabbing something now. And from what I hear from my friends who flip houses and, and do things, that's never a pretty or stress-free process. How's that process of, you know, you bought these houses, you bought these first two pro- properties already completed. You may have put your right. sprinkle on there. You know what I mean? Which oh. we did. But you're gutting a house from the bones. How's that process been?
2: Let me show you what my uh i don't know if you can see this how well you can see this maybe not that well i don't know explain the explain
0: life. what's going on for people who won't see this yeah. video explain i'm trying to show
2: you because he just texted this to me like 10 minutes ago
1: and what am do. i saying here
0: is this the is that the floor
1: that yeah, is the floor yeah so
2: <laughs> the floor underneath both bathrooms has to be the framing, the wood planks and framing underneath, essentially where, like, underneath where you would place tiles or vinyl, laminate, flooring, whatever. This is, like, structural stuff. All of this has to be replaced because it's all rotten. Because this wood is probably 70, 80 years old.
1: Yeah, the house is from the 50s. the house
2: from the 50s. And
1: nothing. It was only one owner before this. Mm -hmm. And they hadn't updated anything. So it didn't have center AC. We put an AC. We're redoing all the electrical, all the plumbing, the plumbing. we're going to have
2: to do the roof, we're
1: going to do a new we're roof,
2: restructuring everything inside to have a more open modern layout, because it was laid out like a house from the 50s. So it was small and enclosed.
1: Well, and they like added additions to it too. So there was like new sections of the house, but like, you know, with mm-hmm. walls in between. So no,
2: It's a project, man. Yeah, it's a proper project. Definitely every day finding out how much. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, I've I've already realized, like, we're literally having to change 95 to 90% of this house outside of the shell of the home. Yeah, we
1: haven't even got into the fun stuff.
2: No, we haven't. Like the
1: design. We've
2: just been working on the foundational stuff, you know. Yeah, I got a good price on it because it needed a lot. And the owner knew that. Probably wish I could. I wouldn't be mad if I had bought one with a couple more updates to it prior to us having to redo everything but we are where we One are learning yeah and we're, and it's it's really cool i will say this it's really cool to see the inside of the house essentially the skeleton of the house you know when you see your like a skeleton not only just a skeleton but like picture like a skeleton and then picture like phase 2 with the skeleton with the organs right and you're like oh that's where my heart is my liver so this is essentially what we're doing with a house so once the house is finished and the drywall and the finishing and et cetera, everything is done. We can see through the walls. I know where everything is now and how it works, which is pretty cool. For um, sure, Yeah. I mean, getting
0: that experience, like almost going through like a, a house biology lesson, you know, really yeah, yeah. <laughs> how electric flows, question. how water flows, how HVAC yeah. flows, you know, All that. underneath the floor.
2: Yes, 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 yes. All of that. So uh, yeah, we and I've, I've flipped other houses. We were going to flip this one. And I said, let's keep it. It's in a good area. And let's own this asset because I keep flipping all the other ones. And then you have to rinse and repeat. I have to find the next house, pay high taxes on that money earned from that flip. It's a different game when you're a homeowner. You know, you get to save in different ways. And the ROI isn't just on an Excel sheet, right? We talk about this, like it's a uh, peace of mind, it's uh
1: experience e-
2: experience, the things that are a little harder to quantify than just like I put this much money in and I'm gonna make this much money. My ROI is this, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I you can't quantify peace of mind, home ownership, and these kinds of things. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at. This is not the first house I flipped, but it's the first one this extensively I have rehabbed and, and the first that one we're gonna live in that we're gonna live in. So different choices have to happen. Right, like I would put a generic kitchen into it because I know that's gonna work and it's gonna sell. But since we're living in it, let's hold on, maybe let's look at a couple of different, you know, styles first, <laughs> or let's not just choose any floor, right? Like we gotta look at 40 before we choose one. So a little more going on there, but but it's a good experience, man. It's it's super cool, you know. 100%. I'm,
0: yeah, it's like it's like you know, rehabbing a house and going to school at the same time, it sounds like, you know, yeah, and you hard, in a lot of ways. Learn as you're going. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, best of luck to you both with that kind of finish. You know, I think they say you're never done. So um, right. I don't know if there's gonna be a finish line, but I know there's gonna be a time where you move in, you, yeah. you yeah. <laughs> sleeping in that bed for the first night and it's gonna feel good.
2: Right, right. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah.
0: Will there ever be enough? Will there ever be enough properties or is this like this is long term, like you know as long as i can buy and flip in, in rehab i'm going to do this until i can't anymore
2: yeah i well i want to i want to just invest period man so, so that's what i was saying like my my first entry like the main main thing i'm you know one can argue that when i was buying samplers and buying records i was making an investment in myself in my craft which yielded very large dividends over the lifespan you know that i've been making music so i took that same mindset and i'm mm doing it in a space right now that is quantifiable. So that's the difference between making art and flipping a house where like you like that song, I don't. And one can argue also that like, okay, you might not like this house rehab, this person does, but I only need one person to like it for it to make sense. With music or most art in general, you know, you need a lot more than that. I only need one person to say, "I like this house. I'm gonna buy it." And it's also a house, so the value is. Some would argue that we, you know, some people can't live without music, and I can understand that argument. But I think most people would definitely agree that, like, no, I I prefer to live indoors, and I want to, you know, I whether I can own it or rent, I want to live indoors. So the value is. It's just a different kind of value, you know. It, it transcends ages nationalities uh You're right you know it's just it, it's very valuable um so it's like, well, it's cool man but yeah, I, I just want to be an investor you know invest in businesses invest in people invest in real estate uh Yourself. myself yeah just understanding yeah just just filtering everything through that investment lens is is really where i'm at right now and honestly one of the main reasons i'm making less music than i used to just because i'm exploring different things you know
0: Fair, yes. totally fair. Yeah, more investing. It might not be in real estate, but just investing in general. Yeah, more mm-hmm. investing in
2: general. You know, crypto mm-hmm. right
0: now. So I really was, not, that was, was going to be my next question, Like, which is, uh, you know, not saying that crypto is 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 not time proven because in a lot of ways, in some ways there is uh, yes. proof of track record. I'm novice in it, um, but yeah. I do also notice that you're into Web3, NFTs, mm-hmm. you know, NFT projects. Um, so my question to you, to you both, what is your what is your take on the market of of crypto and what do you believe the future is going to be with i know it's broad but do you believe like Mm -hmm. it's stable and do you believe that it's here to stay forever
2: so there's a lot of different ways so there's a lot of within the space cut the conversation of crypto we can go down an entire tangent of just nfts of just DeFi, of crypto as tradable assets or crypto as a store of value. So there's these conversations within the space that are very nuanced and very enriched. And there's some really, really smart people in this space that are talking about it all and then just talking about their niches. The over, you know, right now, the, the NFT is selling for millions or the Bitcoin ads. Ed- Sixty 000. that's the stuff that's grabbing headlines right i bought ethereum at 11 bucks and now i'm a crypto millionaire that is really happening and is worthy of headlines because it is very uh clickbaity and obviously like you know where can we how i want to i, I want to make a million bucks after investing eleven dollars or whatever you know like the, these stories sell and so there's a lot of them but they're also the, some of the best stuff happening in the space is is not necessarily the sexiest and so Bitcoin is a digital store of value. We've never had anything like it. We, we've never in the history of man have had anything like it. We've never had as sound, a sound digital store of value. Now, it's only also been around for 12 years. That's not the thousands of years that gold has had. A lot can change. But so far... So far, so good. So once again, this conversation, the conversation revolves around Bitcoin and we could talk about Bitcoin, but we could talk about blockchain, which is the tech underlying, you know, underneath Bitcoin, making it work, which also inspired Ethereum, which has since inspired a bunch of other blockchains. Blockchain is going to change everything, man. Anything having to do with contracts is going to change. The idea of stable coins, digital currency, all of that is going to change the way we monetize our data. And our time and our energy is all going to change as soon as we see other people making money from the use of, like, let's say a decentralized version of Instagram exists. And right now we use Instagram, we just use it, right? We don't, we just use it. And some people use it and monetize from it or off of it, for sure. One can argue that probably most people don't still to this day. But what if in the near future I get, you know, I get an Insta coin, you know, or half an Insta coin for just liking some pictures or for watching a video for more than 30 seconds. And I might be able to use after I have a number of I'm just calling it InstaCoin, Insta coin, you know, but after I have a certain number of Insta coins, I can then use those Insta coins to promote my post, or maybe that has a real value on an exchange, and I can convert that into Bitcoin, Ethereum, or something else that I want to use for something else. Right. The spa- the space is moving really fast, and my main mo is not getting left behind and trying to stay on it to the best of one's ability because it's moving really fast and there's a lot of moving parts. Um, That's what I noticed.
0: It's so much information, so much to con- to consume. There's so many different currencies. They all have their own rates. Yeah, we need to talk about staking and. The blockchain yeah. like are you are you a novice with me i'm i'm admitted you know i'm i'm, I'm a yeah, novice in this space work. louisa are you are you also kind of in that same
1: yeah like, good thing i'm with him <laughs> i'll stick with him for this one yeah i definitely want to learn more but i'm i'm it's being filtered now through what he's kind of aggregating for well for the household here's, here's the thing Talked about
0: strengths earlier today
1: Exactly. Everybody, Everybody
2: will eventually be using applications and currency based off the blockchain. Everybody will. It's going to get to that point where within the next, I would say, seven to eight years, everything that we're going or a good portion of everything we're going to be doing will already be, will be using programs. Like, dude, I know you use apps on your phone, but you don't really understand or know the how it's written, I don't, you know, or what language they use to write it or none of that, but I use the app and the app adds value to my life. We're all gonna get there. And those apps will now be decentralized. We're gonna be using cryptocurrency. We're gonna be doing all this stuff without necessarily really knowing how it works. Right. The reason I am interested in knowing a couple layers deeper than that and not just waiting until, you know, seven or eight years from now is because I wanna invest. I wanna see opportunity you know, and not just be a user. I want to be a contributor, an investor. I want to see opportunities and honestly, try to take advantage of them. You know,
0: I understand that. I yeah. Be, I, you just I want, want to be, be ahead, ahead it. of it and not get left behind.
2: Yeah. I want to be ahead of it and not just even trailing with it or definitely not behind it. You know, anything that has to do with contracts is going to change and you have like three to five years to still be very much ahead of the curve. After five years, you're already playing catch up in this right. space.
0: And so I'm interested in your opinion. You know, it sounds like you're you're doing research. How do you think that Web three, NFTs, the blockchain, these contracts? How do you think the music industry, maybe even DJ industry? How do you see it playing a factor there? I have I can't say I've seen a ton myself. You know, like right. the, speaking of the weekend, we talked about him earlier. He had sold a track um, that was an NFT, like an actual individual song. But I'm interested mm-hmm. to know uh, Bill, what do you, what do you think? And then you too, Louisa, if you have something to add in this question, how do you think that this will impact the music industry and, or the DJ industry?
2: I, you know, what, what's happening in the DeFi space, I think is going to be pretty similar to what might happen in the music industry. And so what's happening in the DeFi space, um, code is being written, protocols are being followed. Um, A lot of what is traditionally happening in the traditional finance space is being moved over to the DeFi space and is unregulated right now. That has some negative side effects, but the most, but it also means it's very exciting because everything goes, you can earn interest up to like 30, 40%. Ain't no bait giving you that. You know, you're not even earning half a percent on your chase or Wells Fargo or whatever. Um, So there's a lot of interesting stuff happening and it's cut out the middleman. It's cut out right now. Honestly, that entire space has cut out the Federal Reserve. They're not they have nothing to do with the space. And they've also cut out, you know, the Chase, the Wells Fargo's, the Capital One's. They've cut out all these intermediaries. Who's the intermediary in the music industry for the most part? uh, Music labels, labels. distributors, music labels being the most obvious, like biggest one. Um, What happens when they're not in the picture? What happens when you don't need them to distribute your music? I, to some extent right now, you could do a lot on your own, but bro, like if I self-release my song, promote my song, and I got to be, and somebody inquires to sync it, I got to do the emails. I got to do that. Like you're a one man show. It's a lot to take on. What if you release that song? The IP of that song is on a smart contract is on blockchain and basically says if anyone wants to use 30 sec- up to 30 seconds of this song you can do so without contacting me everyone this is personal right you might say no i want every like, you need to talk to me because i want to make sure that my song is being used appropriately and i want to you know what i mean like i care about where it's being used i might say i don't give a shit i just want to a, cut a check i this little beat i made if you want to use it in a You know, in in commercial in Germany and you want to use it for some random thing over here in Japan and you want to use it for some random thing over here in America. The smart contract says up to 30 seconds, you can use my song for a thousand bucks, 750, 500 bucks, 250, 250 doesn't sound like a lot. But what if you what if like it's getting synced all over the world multiple times a month next thing you know maybe you're cutting a check for 1800 2500 5000 like whatever what if you got like
1: or what about like these the songs that kind of blow up on tiktok That's that are new thing. like yeah, how no. those don't get modern they're just like they gain popularity
2: yeah they probably and then and then they're probably then people are maybe going to spotify to stream it right and, right, and right. now spotify is the middleman right you know you have a have you heard of audius
0: i haven't what is what is audius
2: so, Audius is the decentralized version of SoundCloud. That's the easiest way to put it. Um, and you get paid. Their, their coin is called uh, audio, audio Coin, which is pretty cool. It has a value, it goes up and down. Right now, it really kind of looks like SoundCloud, but it's decentralized. It's using Web 3.0, and you can get paid for your songs. For pe- people like your songs, get what? You get audio tokens, and those audio tokens have real world value. I can go and exchange those tokens for Ethereum right now, you know? Interesting. Um, yeah, it's so, very so cool. It sounds like we can
0: look for this project to be on Audius, right?
2: I know. Really? I, I should, I? I, not a, it's not on Audius. That's
1: your part, Bill. It's
2: not on <laughs> Audius, but it, but it should yeah. be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So the first wave is going to be Web 3.0 versions of Web 2.0 versions. That's going to be the first wave that we see over the next two to three years.
0: You mean like, like, like. Platforms like SoundCloud, maybe, maybe, maybe DSPs becoming, you know, being able to to operate on Web three. You think that that'll be? Yeah,
2: I, I mean, like, a, just like decentralized versions of of uh
1: like programs of, of with.
2: centralized popular things. I think that's going to be the first wave. Th- those are going to be the first wave, and then it'll be probably three to five years from now where we're using apps that are fully decentralized and doing things that we never like even conceptualized, you know, or utilizing our data in ways that we never conceptualized. We didn't value our data. There was no data to value 10 years ago. You know, we gave Facebook everything about us and they turned around and made billions on us.
0: People didn't, like, I don't think people understood that that what they were putting on the internet right. was valuable until recently, you know. Right. Until, right. until these companies blew up, until you know people really started to understand how ads worked and and right, to be honest, right. like what data points were being collected? I think kind of the skirt got pulled up on the, you know, data mining industry and people just kind right. of. Up, so.
2: Oh, like, yeah. And so, so now we have a way to authenticate and validate true digital um, energy and convert that into like value, real value. Right. We didn't have that until before. Like I would send you an MP3. That means I sent you an M Like I, here, here's my last MP3 of this song. You can borrow it for a couple of weeks. Make sure you give it back though. No, I'm sending you a copy of it. I still have it. You have one. I do think there's going to be a time where we're going to, I'm going to be like 50 and be like, damn, I remember when I could just send that MP3. I remember when I could just download shit off the internet and make copies. That, that's going to change it's going to benefit the creators and it'll hurt those that are trying to sidestep and 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 you know it it's going to
0: the pirates it,
2: it, yeah it always happens right there's going to be some winners there's going to be some losers uh, we ex- we got a lot of convenience we're going to have to give up something else in return it's not a f- it's not just like oh now here's web 3.0 and blockchain it's going to be some amazing stuff that comes with it and we're going to miss a couple things that we were able to do now with the current state of the internet. You know, I, that's my belief. That's just my personal belief.
0: No, thank you for diving deep into that. You know, it's again, I'm, 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 I'm new to it. I'm sure there's people who, you know, are way more up uh, on web three that are listening to this and NFTs and crypto that, you know, will gain some, some insight from your perspective. Get into it, man. And just like,
2: whatever, whatever point is like, I, I can't, you know, cause I've been having this conversation and I, and I, and I always end with like, it's a really important space and you don't want to be like, damn, I should have gotten into it, you know, in t- 2020 or 2021. I mean, like not, no, it won't be too late, but one will be playing catch up when there's a lot happening right now. And the information is there. Look, the iPhone took 15 years for it to like, Be what it is now. And how many industries has it changed and or evolved? So take 15 years and cut it in half. And that's what blockchain is and crypto is going to do to the next wave of like the internet in half. Why? Because we're already connected. The first part was getting everybody connected and that did all sorts of things, right? Uber, Airbnb, all sorts of things. So cut that in half more than likely. Right. And so what's that? By the end of this decade, it's going to be it's going to look a lot different than it looks right now. It's going to look a lot different. And Mark, I, I
0: Mark Bill's words. Mark Bill's words. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm a futurist, too. So I, of
0: course.
2: you know, I don't deny any potential negatives that come with, you know, the immersion of tech and the metaverse and all this crazy stuff. But I tend to look on the positive side.
0: Totally. I mean, I think there's good and bad to everything, the social media, to, to food, to, you know, there's, there's always right. going to be someone who's out to exploit or do something. But, you know, like you said, there's people, there's people now who have water that didn't have water before automobiles were a thing or airplanes were a thing. Um, but also, right. unfortunately, you know, we have uh, losses of life with those same vehicles. So I feel you, there's, right. there's good and bad for both. Right. but you tend to, to steer more on the positive side. Um, do you have, are you, are you, do you own any nft projects like what is your most prized nft project that you purchase i, yeah. I
2: have no nfts i actually okay. have no NFTs. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you the nft space i love the idea more than i have any a desire any immediate desire at the moment to own any of the art um just because it's it, i'm talking when i mentioned web 3 DeFi, nft trading cryptos these you can become a master of just one of those and do quite well for yourself or become an influencer in your space to try to master all of them is they're all, they are within the crypto blockchain space. They have already become their own thing, you know? So like, like you might be fully into DeFi and not know very much about NFTs, other than the fact that they exist. So it's a space that I am entertained by and read about a little bit, but there's a lot of, it reminds me of the ICO phase that happened in 2017 with crypto where everyone was just like going public and raising money through tokens, which eventually the government said, uh, you guys are, this is securities and unregulated securities, no more ICOs. And then the whole market just tanked for a while. Right now, it feels like the NF, if there's a bubble in this crypto space right now, for me, it's definitely in the NFT space. You know, you're driving 400 grand for a little for like a fucking gorilla uh, gorilla. <laughs> I, like I said, I love the idea and there's validation in the idea, but there is something also a little exclusionary about it. Like who, who, who got 400 grand laying around to just drop on that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, me. I'm for clout right now and not for any other reason. And so will anyone even give a shit about those board apes in five years? Right. Maybe, maybe not.
0: Right, maybe that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm not, I'm not convinced that these digital forms of art, you know, especially if I'm being honest, some of the quality of some of these projects are yeah, just going to stand a test of time like you know the Mona Lisa has, or you know some right. other, like a Basquiat painting or whoever, you know, like I don't, I'm not convinced there. There are some artists that I believe are exceptional for the time, like you know Beeple stuff, like he, just yeah, truly point. incredible artists
2: right
0: um, everything's not on that level in my opinion
2: correct correct no i, I agree 100 percent. and I, that's what I'm the idea is a great idea and isn't going anywhere right. what's existing right now based on those ideas of and N- N- nfts eh, i don't know you know what i mean uh there's a big social element there's a big like it, it right now it feels like sneaker culture where like people are so they're they're in the mix super early to try to get the the, like the first drop and buy that board ape or buy that at like two thousand five thousand with the sole reason to go on open sea and try to flip it sure they have every right to do that that's commerce that's capitalism i i'm fine with that but it also just means like okay that's not the game that i'm personally like trying to play um i'm not interested in that i'm more interested in the 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 sphere as a whole and like you said i think there's going to be some great art and the great art will be nfts but the art right now that's run like yeah that's getting the headlines for me is just sort of like all right cool some colorful apes some very pixelated crypto punks (laughs) like i don't even know if i would have spent like 20 bucks on that thing you know for me personally
0: right exactly i'm with you too like there's just some things i just don't feel will hold the value in 50 years 100 years some things will, you know, especially I think pieces that have that like physical aspect attached to it. Um, but, I, you yeah, know, right. like you said, I think we can go into three more hours of this. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but just for the yeah. people listening who don't have, you know, resources or are interested in diving into this space, if you could just name top, your top three resources for people to go and check out.
2: Um, I really like, there's an app called Decrypt. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure that's Make sure I'm giving you guys right info here. There's an app that I like called, yeah, Decrypt. Free app. And it's just basically like a news aggregator. And you'll you'll just constantly be at least on top of like the more popular uh, headlines in that space. Um,
0: Okay. There's
2: a newsletter that I really like called Blockworks. That's cool um you could just subscribe and you know you'll get weekly emails also is a lot of like the new projects and then you start to get familiar with like the vernacular the projects that are getting hype and then it's up to you to kind of dive in deeper and see why that is and confirm whether or not it's worth your time you know but but okay there's people that are in this space there's hundreds of millions of dollars invested in the space why are people talking about this and you just kind of start going down that rabbit hole. Okay, what is this about? What is this about? So, Blockworks, Decrypt, and um, anything that Michael Saylor has to say about Bitcoin is worth listening to. The guy's a genius and he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's putting Bitcoin on the balance sheet of his multi million dollar company. He owns. I don't know, like seven, eight hundred million right now in Bitcoin.
1: Well,
2: like, no, he's putting his like if if Bitcoin were to go to zero tomorrow, he would his company would probably potentially, if not go bankrupt, have a very terrible year for years to come. Um, And his company has nothing to do with crypto. It's just the first company that's publicly saying it's a publicly traded company that's saying we own Bitcoin on our balance sheet. And then Twitter was, I think, the second one with Jack Dorsey. But Michael Saylor is out there talking about it, and he's a genius. He's a genius, and and his company is worth, I don't know, however many millions. It's a tech company, MicroStrategy from the early nineties, still around. And you know, it's not just some guy on YouTube with like a hundred thousand followers. This guy's like a real CEO with like a multi-million tech company who is like very vocal about what he sees in Bitcoin and where he sees it going, and and very like like. Yeah, I I think it's called Bitcoin is hope is the the website. And there's a lot of really cool info on there. Good info. Good info. Awesome. I think it's Bitcoin is hope.
1: Thanks for that, Bill. I
0: didn't know that. (laughs) No, that's great. That's great information. You know, I think always, like I mentioned earlier, just little tidbits enough to get people started. I think goes a long way. So if you're listening, check out those resources. And that'll wrap for the for the questions. Um uh, at least for the the main portion. Now, are you both ready for the hot seat? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, are we?
2: About
0: to find out. <laughs> All right. We got Louisa and Bill in here for the hot seat. Are you both ready?
2: Let's get it.
0: All Let's right. It. Bill, wh- whose mix are you listening to if not your own?
2: No, my own. What do you mean? Like DJ mix? DJ mix. DJ mix?
0: DJ mix. Mm-hmm.
2: Man, I I am picking out songs and playing my own playlists. That more often than not, to be honest with you, I, I want to give somebody a shout out, but I'd be lying.
0: <laughs> I'd be lying. I feel it. I feel it. Louisa, is there a such thing as too many clothes?
1: I think so. Yes, less is more. Quality pieces. Quality over quantity. There you go. Facts.
0: Bill, who has more clothes? Louisa, for sure. <laughs> Louisa, who's the, C- who's the CDJ Hogger Dorm B2B sets?
1: Oh, we have our moments. Both. We have our moments for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Bill, where's the best place to eat in Miami? Um, 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 what's
2: one of my favorite spots? I really like the spot Lamoni, which is close to the Airbnb. Um,
1: Fioritos are go-to.
2: Fioritos, another spot I really like. Yeah,
0: Argentinian spot. Louisa, where's your favorite place to travel for vacation?
1: Uh, we just went to Mexico City, and I definitely want to go back to Mexico. So undiscovered, but I think it could be a fave. Yeah. Got you.
0: Bill, who's your barber?
1: <laughs>
2: right now, I've gone. I'll I, I be switching up barbers, man. I'm not going to lie. Right now, for the last few months, it's my uh, neighbor of the Airbnb. Jamaican dude, a real cool cat. His name is Andre, and he's
0: been holding it down. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Louisa, what's the most annoying part about being a DJ?
1: The most annoying part? All um,
0: oh, the autographs.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> um, annoying? I guess maybe in... Oh, I was going to say... There's a couple of annoying parts. Huh? That, like, that one's easy for me. What, not knowing like the vibe or song requests? Oh, I haven't been in that situation and I won't. I won't let it happen. Sure, song requests. <laughs> block,
0: block someone comes up, you just block them X amount. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill, what's your favorite part about DJing with Louisa?
2: Being able to take a little break and let her take the reins and, and vibe out, you know, not having to be solely responsible. Uh, however long I'm DJing for. We are DJing for.
0: And the same question to you. What's your favorite part about DJing with Bill?
1: Uh, having that security blanket of the experience that, you know, if a song's like running out and I can't like loop it right, I'm like, Bill, come on, save me. <laughs> That's happened a couple of times. Not going to lie. Um, So, yeah, just having like a experienced person on my team. Got it.
0: Bill, who hogs the covers? Mm, definitely Louisa, I would say.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> and
0: Louisa, who's a better cook?
1: Bill. He's more intuitive. Yeah. And trusts the process more.
0: Yep. What's your best dish, Bill?
1: Hmm. You don't have like a signature,
2: right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking that too. What is? I don't know if I have a a signature dish like that. I mean, let's be real here. I'm probably a better cook than Louisa, but I'm not necessarily anything that special either. (laughs) I don't you know what I mean? Like, I'm not amazing. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm amazing. I just have a little bit more of a knack for the spices. I make chickpeas really good. I do like this. Uh pan. A making yeah, make like okay. pan fried with what do you mean? You don't make them. <laughs> See, she
1: be eating them. I make them sometimes. She eats some, but okay, quick. This is quick fire. Bill's the yeah. better cook.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Last two, uh, just for both of you. I mean, we'd love to have you We're really excited for New Year's Eve to hear you set live, but we love to have like a guest mix on MSYHFM. Can we have a guest mix from Louisa and Bill somewhere in the f- distant future? Just in
1: yeah. future we can make that happen for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. And did you both enjoy this interview? Did you have a good time?
1: Yeah, yes. Thank you, sure.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you both. Thank you both for taking some time. Before we go, if you can let everyone know where they can find you, um what they can look forward to uh seeing from you, um and, you know, just again general where they can find you on the internet.
2: Yeah, so um B Brenmar that's 2B's. For Instagram, Brenmar on SoundCloud. If you want to hear the tracks, B-R-E-N-M-A-R. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. You know, we're both excited to, to come up to Pittsburgh and, and show out. Welcome to the new year. Some new energy, 2022. Um, yeah, we got some really, really cool vibes in store. Definitely
1: excited. And you can find me at Louisa, whoop, whoop. Uh, on Instagram, and that's pretty much it for me. Bill SoundCloud, Brenmar SoundCloud, mm-hmm. uh, at Deco Daydream Mia at Casa Sueños. Yeah, and if you're trying
2: to come down to Mia and and stay in a chic, nice little Airbnb sitch.
1: People reviews, we, streets is
0: talking. Gotcha. You. <laughs> <Hey>, you know, <laughs> you know who to holler at. Yep, yep. Well, dope. Thank you both again. Again, my name is. Ryan Brown, uh, you just heard an amazing interview with Louisa and Bill. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Thank you all for listening. Um, You can catch Louisa and Bill for the Cobra Rising New Year's Eve 2022 party um, going down this Friday at Cobra in Pittsburgh, presented by Creatives Drinks, and make sure you have fun. MSYHFM will be in the building. We hope everyone can make it out um, the ticket link is and will be in the description. You can get tickets at www.cobrapgh.com slash events and Louisa and Bill to round out this interview. If you can introduce the last track, Show Me Things, a good way to end this interview, uh, the last track from their EP that you can stream now on SoundCloud. We'll send it off with that.
1: Let's do it. So this is Louisa of Louisa and Bill, me. and you're listening to Show Me Things on Could MSYH me. MSYH.FM. Could show me. Could show me. MSYH.FM
0: FM.